Football Talk as David Cohn, the co-host of Crane & Company with Jake Crane, joins Bryant, Brett, and Jay Morgan, a college quarterback at Michigan, a tall man that's on Twitter, at David Adam Cohn. Here's David with Bryant, Brett, and Jay Morgan. Let that song play a little. Just let it, go. Just let it yeah. play for a little oh, bit. David Cohn, oh, you've got to man. run out on the field to that every week. That's pretty nice. David, how you doing today? I'm doing quite well. I agree. Just let it play, fellas. Just I can be here play. all day and listen to it. <laughs> Just play for the next 30 minutes. I, I want to. I, I, I've been to a Michigan game. I've been to a Notre Dame game, but I want to go to a Michigan Notre Dame game some year, David, and sit in the first half by the Michigan band and the second half by the Notre Dame band and just soak in all that fight song glory. Well, uh, you know, we'd all like to go, Brett, but uh, Notre Dame won't play us anymore. You know, uh, sadly, but I'll tell you a quick story. The first game I ever played in at Michigan was against Notre Dame, and Russell Crowe gave us the pregame speech. He gave us the strength and honor pregame speech. I'll tell you what, I was ready to go out there. I was ready to go out there and run through an absolute wall. We won that game 38 to nothing, but no, exactly. Michigan-Notre Dame, one of the great rivalries. Uh, we, we need to continue that game. I, I don't know why we're not playing it. And, and now with the expanded conferences, and really at conferences now scaling from sea to shining sea, and everybody either should or they're, they, they're at nine games, and the SEC should go to nine. David, we're, we're limiting inventory on to have the, the, the big national games. And, 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 and I hate that, and I think it could really squeeze Notre Dame uh, finally push them into a conference. Yeah, and we'll see, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Notre Dame has been sort of that last rock there that won't budge, but then again, they sort of are quasi in the ACC, and they're in the ACC in every sport but football, but they still get to vote on conference expansion in the ACC, but they're not a part of it. It's really weird, and it all needs to get figured out. Uh, to your point about these um, non-conference games possibly going away, I'm just thinking about, like, uh, you know, we got Texas-Alabama this year, right? We get Texas-Michigan next year, and even Texas A&M-Miami earlier in this season this past two years on the home and home was so cool i hope we don't lose that kind of stuff now we are a little bit just because the conferences are getting bigger that those matchups are now technically conference matchups i mean think about it you know uh, uh, uh ohio state's going to get washington and ucla and oregon and usc and all of those are now con- technically conference games um i just hope that now that we move to a 12-team playoff after this season that you know more and more schools will say hey there is a little bit bigger margin of error, right? We don't have to win every single game to make a four-team playoff. Mm-hmm. So we still want to win all of them, right? We want to win as many as we can. But the money that we're going to get from these big non-conference marquee matchups early in the season, um, that needs to outweigh sort of being undefeated at the end of the year. And I think it was you that told us last week, and you all had, had Tim Brando on your show on Crane & Company with, alongside the Crane Boys with you, David Cohn, that he, Brando told you all that, you, that it very well could be a one-shot deal next year for the 12-gamer. Yeah, that's his theory. His theory is because we're going to 12 with only one year left on the TV deal, he thinks the television executives are going to look around and say, wait, why are we giving a first-round buy 
when we're still playing football that weekend, right? Just go ahead and have the one seeds also play, and let's move this thing up to 16 teams, which, you know, again, at some point, you got to put a cap on this. This isn't yeah. college basketball, okay? We're talking about football. You can only play so many games in a season, and so, you know, at, at some point, there has to be a cap on it, and my bigger worry when you talk about these uh, expanded conferences is, Again, to my point, you can only play so many football games. At some point, are we going to run into a situation where we don't have a true conference champ because the leagues are too big for everyone to play each other? I mean, even the way it's shaking out right now, we were going down the, the schedules today of the ACC. When you start to look at Florida State, North Carolina, and now Louisville coming on strong, those teams are undefeated, and they don't play each other. Yeah. We could have a situation even this year in the ACC where we're having to flip coins or do something crazy to see who goes to the conference championship game, but let's hope not. Yeah, it just makes makes my head spin thinking about some of the uh, the things hoops that we might have to jump through. But uh, let's get to some of these games from Saturday. I thought it was a, a really fun day of football, and it started off with a bang uh, down at Red River, Oklahoma, with the four point win, a comeback win for Boomer Sooner, Sooner over Texas. Uh, what do you think about that one? That I mean, I, I had a blast watching that game on Saturday. Oh, what a football game! I was just sitting there soaking it in, especially oh, yeah. no no real dog in the fight other than I'm a huge college football fan mm-hmm. other than both of these teams are undefeated last year in the Big 12 both trying to win this conference both trying to make the college football playoff uh, it was just phenomenal football I, you know I was a little surprised that uh, Quinn Ewers and the Steve Sarkeesian uh, combination there couldn't get a little bit more going but that just shows you this defensive mind of Brent Venables, and not only that, but giving him this past year to really be able to recruit the type of guys he wants and you know instill that culture there, especially on the defensive side of the football. And then a year ago, yeah, I mean, look, we saw 49 to nothing because Dylan Gabriel's not in there. I said, I don't care if Texas lines up the San Francisco 49ers out there. Oklahoma is going to find a way to keep this game close. There's too much pride. This is a rivalry game. They hear all this noise about how great Texas roster is, and they're finally back, and they went on the road and beat Alabama. I said, Oklahoma is going to give them a fight, and they sure did, and it came down to the wire. So, look, I don't know. Looking at the rest of the schedules here, uh, it's very possible we get another Red River um, you know, iteration here in the Big 12 championship game, uh, and then we'll have to go from there. But, look, Oklahoma was just the better football team. They went out there and absolutely beat it. It was no fluke thing, nothing like that. And uh, I broke down the final play, um, the final play that uh, Oklahoma ran for the go-ahead touchdown. I broke that down, so you can find that on our show and uh, online on social media. I saw it. What was the name of that play? That, that was uh, 11 personnel. That was uh, Z to Listing Week Razor Stash uh, X Flam is what that was. Beautiful. When, when you're at the line of scrimmage and you're calling that, but you're looking at a wristband, how does everybody know all that? Well, everybody knows it because what I just said has a letter that tells everyone what to do, basically. I mean, there's a couple of different ways to go about it. I saw Andy Reid just this week breaking down this really cool new little this kind of uh, tunnel screen but whip back out play. And Andy, they asked Andy Reid what he calls it, and he says, I call it Corn Dog." That's the name of it. It's called Corn Dog. I like food, That's and great. I like to name my plays after food, right? So he could go in and just and just say the word Corn Dog, and that represents a play, right? But when we were at Michigan, basically what our offensive coordinator, Scott Leffler, and the philosophy up there was, hey, if you want to play quarterback here, we're getting you ready for the next level in the NFL. You have to know what every single player on the team does, right? So if it's speed break, Detroit, right side, 300 box, Y stick, H through, or 54 X flush, all those letters 
are telling the guys on the field what to do, and it makes them easier. It makes it easier for them because they're hearing, oh, okay, why stick? I'm the Y. I'm the tight end. I'm running a stick route. X slam. Okay, I'm the X. I'm running the slant pattern. But it does make it harder on the quarterback. And, you know, that's just that's kind of where we are in the game. It's like how complicated does it need to be? How simplified does it need to be? Especially when you look at an offense like Oklahoma that's trying to go tempo, tempo, tempo. What's funny, if you go back and look at it, on the first and ten play there, they lined up in a two-by-two set, and they ran the same route combinations on each side, but it was a quarterback draw, and Dylan Gabriel got down to the three-yard line. So then they go tempo. They don't huddle, right? There's no huddle there, and they run the same route combinations on second and goal. No timeouts, clocks moving, except they motion to it, and that's the thing. They went Z to Liz Sting. That motion got Texas messed up in man defense. They didn't know who was passing off. All of a sudden, you find yourself wide open in the corner of the end zone the biggest game of the year our guest is david cohen and you hear that big brain on display with us every wednesday through the national championship game speaking of the college football playoffs you're you're the the chair of the committee you've got to go tell bill hancock what you've decided it's the late hours of saturday night december 2nd and it comes down to the fourth spot between two teams both with one loss texas or alabama you take Texas, don't you? They beat them. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, look, we'd have to, uh, there. There are there are some other things we could take into account. I, uh, you know, I, I do think. Uh, let's just go hypothetical at first, rather than that specific scenario. Yes, we have to talk about strength of schedule. Yes, I think even mar- margin of victory matters. All that kind of stuff. Uh, conference champion? Are you a one loss conference champ, or did you not make the game? Sort of like the Buckeyes last year on the on the Big Ten East side of things. But yes, first thing above all is it has to be the head-to-head, head, right? Because so rarely if, if, do we get not, that. If not, we need to be in a debate class at Columbia. Uh-huh. It, right, like like that's what we're, like, so rarely do we get an opportunity. More often than not, when we're talking about two different teams, they hadn't played each other that year, right? So when we actually do get one, that's the scenario like you're talking about, Texas, one loss from the Big 12. Let's say they go and face Oklahoma and avenge that loss uh, against an Alabama team that runs the table, even if it's an impressive win over uh, over Georgia in the conference championship. You have to take into account the head-to-head. Now, that would make things quite complicated because, look, a one-loss SEC champ is getting in. I mean, I, there's mm-hmm. going to be a case to be made even if it's a two-loss SEC champ, which I think LSU still has a possibility to be a two-loss SEC champ. I mean, hey, I know we're only halfway done here, but it's going to be real hard to keep the SEC out. We had not seen that, but you're exactly right, man. If head-to-head doesn't matter most in that scenario, are why doing? are we playing the game? Yeah, man. Let, let's, just, let, let's just have a, a debate society and, <laughs> and move, move along. Yeah. Hey, our roster was better. We should go. That's right. I, I, I like the Dr. Pepper ad, but our academics are better. Yeah. <laughs> Great Dr. Pepper ads, by the way. Uh, yeah. David, uh, what did you make of Alabama's win at Texas A&M over the weekend? Did, you, did they show you anything uh, after kind of that slow start with that win against Texas A&M? Well, look, it was quite impressive to watch Jalen Monroe make some of these high-quality throws from the pocket, right? I've been talking to you mm-hmm. guys about it at nauseum. I've been talking about it on our show. I've been talking to anybody out the window of my house right here who will listen to me, and we got plenty of Ole Miss and Alabama and, and Arkansas fans on this block alone. Um, so, yes, look, Texas A&M, we knew they were going to stack the box, right? Hey, they're, they're, they are elite at stopping the run. We saw that against Miami, but it was just the Tyler Van Dyke and Restrepo combination yeah. just really cooked up that secondary, right? So, okay, let's 
stack up this box, don't allow Alabama to run at all, and let's see if Jalen Moreau can actually beat us from the pocket and we like our chances to beat Alabama, right? Well, that's exactly what happened, which, you know, you really have to look at this Texas A&M secondary and have even a lot more questions now. But one thing about Moreau from the pocket, which was interesting, is he was hitting his first read. You know, it was like Jeremiah Burton was, was open a lot of times on that first read, and he was hitting them, and that, that was the kind of football, you know, we've been wanting to see. He wasn't having to go to all these different reads and check downs, uh, save for that one pass in the corner of the end zone when he really made, you know, it, that was that was his best throw to Burton there in the corner when he did go from uh, a couple different reads. But, look, a big step forward for Jalen Moreau, I still think, they need to get him more involved in the quarterback run game. He had minus 31 yards of rushing against Texas A&M. I don't know how that happened. Now, uh, a point that Jake Crane makes on our show a lot is, hey, maybe they're just, maybe they know they don't have anyone behind them and they're not trying to get him hurt. Look, you can't be that can't be the thought process here when you're sitting already with one loss and you pretty much have to run the table clean to be able to make the conference championship and to make the college mm-hmm. football playoff. And i give you another good example. We were just talking about Dylan Gabriel, right? Dylan Gabriel, who's much smaller than Jalen Milrow, and I would say not as fast as Jalen Milrow, played that same Texas defense. How many yards rushing did he have? Over he had 113 over. yards rushing. Okay, so don't tell me that it can't be done. And you, and and I'm not talking about running the guy every single play, right? Dylan Gabriel had five to six quarterback designed runs, and then another five to six scrambles. Sometimes ten carries like that in the right moments is all it takes to be able to open up that pass game. So if you're an Alabama fan, what's got to be most exciting right now to me is. Wow, we haven't even played our best football. We lost to a solid Texas team, but we only have one loss right now, and our quarterback just threw for over 300 yards against this pretty solid Texas A&M defense. Everything we want is here right in front of us still. So, look, I would say, like I said, that defense at Alabama is going to keep them in every single game. If Jalen Milroe continue to get can continue to get better each week. They have a shot, but they have to figure out a way to run the football. It's fine against Texas A&M, who has that type of secondary, but if you want to go beat Georgia or you want to beat Michigan or you want to beat some of these other schools around the country, you got to be able to run the ball. Absolutely. We're talking to David Cohn, the co-host of Crane and & Company. And, uh, David, we've gotten, what, 16 minutes into the hour, and we have not talked yet about Miami and Mario Cristobal's decision not to take a knee at the end of that game against Georgia Tech. Oh, I, I mean, what did you make of, of seeing that? I mean, what, in your mind, kind of being a quarterback, being in these situations, uh, what was the thought process there? Did you try to put yourself into Mario Cristobal's shoes and try oh, to yeah. think why, why in the world what did you come up with what was your best idea of why he would not kneel the ball in that situation oh yeah for sure I mean I almost couldn't believe my eyes while I was watching the game and it's absolutely inexcusable right now I guarantee you here's what happened uh there's a lot of emotions everyone's getting caught up you know in in the fact that uh okay Georgia Tech just used their final timeout they're doing the math the offensive coordinator sends down a run play and before Mario can mm-hmm. do the math in his head or someone can think about taking a knee that play gets called and you don't think about all this sequence of events right like if 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 all those sequence of events hadn't happened only you 
and I and a small percentage of people would be talking about it, right? Because mm-hmm. it was still the wrong decision, but it wouldn't have come back to hurt you. Now the whole world's talking about it just because of that sequence of events. Right. So I did a whole segment on it today, and let me just run out for you here this just how bizarre everything was. First of all, you have an opportunity to just take a knee and end the game with 33 seconds left. You don't do that, right? You run the ball. The running back fumbles. All right, they call it a fumble on the field. They go back and review it, and the call stands. Now, I pulled a screenshot today for our segment. You can see the kid's elbow is down while he still has the ball. So he was down. So that was the wrong call. But, hey, referees get it wrong sometimes. Even on replay, they get it wrong sometimes. So let's move on to the next thing. Four plays for 75 yards, and on the last one, you let someone get behind you with 10 seconds left. He catches the ball, and before he reaches the end zone, for Georgia Tech, he starts a slide to celebratory slide into the end zone. Okay, and they screenshotted that. He started that on the half yard line. You're, well, if you initiate a slide, yeah. you're technically yeah. down. So the referees could have called him down there wow. with only with with no time remaining. The game would have ended with Georgia Tech with no timeouts. And then on top of that, even though they uphold the touchdown. Georgia Tech doesn't kick the extra point, even though they've just gone up three, when they could go up four and kick the extra point because there's one second left and they had to kick the ball off to Miami. The whole sequence of events made no sense to me, but just on the Mario Cristobal front specifically, you'll, this will never be, what I said, the bad news is it'll never be forgotten. This will never be forgotten, and the fact that you already did this one time at Oregon, too, and let Stanford come back and win, now the term crystalling a game is mm-hmm. going to become a verb, right? That's so that's good. the bad news. That's the bad news. The good news is, though, Mario's still the right guy for this job, right? He's a second-generation Cuban-born American. He's the face of the demographic. He's a two-time national champion at Miami. He's recruiting well, and they're still 4-1. and one. They're four and one with an ACC championship, uh, still a possibility, and you play North Carolina and Clemson the next two weeks. What better opportunity is there to showcase that this gaffe was a mere hiccup on route in year for Mario at Miami than by going out the next two weeks and beating two of the top teams in the conference? He sure better do that. that that'll start the, the short memories, but I think it stays with him. This week, Alabama plays bright and early Saturday morning, 11 o'clock ESPN game. That's rare for Bama to have to kick that early. 20-point favorite over Arkansas. Does Arkansas have a chance in this one, David? You know, I, when you look at the way that they played LSU, it's like I, I, I keep wanting desperately to answer yes to the question you just asked. Yes, because I like Sam Pittman so much, and I like KJ Jefferson, and I like this, and I like Arkansas as a program, right? But just they're trending in the wrong direction. Alabama's trending in the right direction, and then you're going to get them at Bryant Denny. I just I don't like the nineteen and a half smells funny to me. I, I think I think Alabama covers this. Uh, covers this and wins the football game. And I just hate it for Sam Pittman right now because it's not working out. And, you know, he his identity, uh, the Arkansas, you know, mindset really matches so well with Sam Pittman as a head coach. But at some point, you know, Scott Frost was the same way at Nebraska. At some point, you, you have to move on. So I don't know if Sam Pittman's going to be there for a long time. And there's no excuses, especially when you return one of the top quarterbacks in the conference. See, that's what we thought. The, the K.J. Jefferson and Rocket Sanders combination combined with all of the things that that um, Sam Pittman's going to instill with his team, especially in the trenches, being an offensive line guy himself. Uh, Arkansas's primed for a big year, and that just hasn't been the case. And uh, I don't know, maybe they'll 
maybe they'll start looking for a replacement soon. I think they do have a chance, especially if they do this at 11 o'clock. I'm not saying it's going to be sleepy atmosphere, but it's not going to be Bryant-Denny at 7 o'clock on a Saturday night with CBS there. It's going to be 11 in the morning. First quarter critical for Arkansas. Stay in the game. Don't go out there and get knocked out as soon as the bell rings. Stay in the game because I think the the Bama strengths are something that Arkansas can defend. They, they, they can play against those. I don't think it's over. I, I do think it's overwhelming material, but I don't think it's overwhelming strategy and, and, and game plan that Arkansas just doesn't have a chance. First quarter critical. Arkansas needs some kind of good break to go their way. A scoop and score, pick six early, a punt return. I think they, if they can stay in the game in the first quarter, it's a game. If they go out and, you know, and, and Milrow throws 80 yard bomb to Burton and then, then Bama gets a pick six, here comes the massacre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like we talked about earlier with Jalen Milrow, if you somehow, you know, got after him, got him banged up, got one of those younger quarterbacks in the game or something, then, of course, an injury would change the entire perspective. I think uh, I could get behind your theory there a lot more if Alabama hadn't already dropped one and then had that really close wake-up call on the road at South Florida. Those two things, I think this team understood, hey, we have no margin for error right now and and the way they've been trending up after they handled Ole Miss after they got that sort of uh, get right game against Mississippi State and now they just keep continuing to win I think that Alabama's going to continue to trend in the right direction but again the the penalties have got to come down they just they they can't commit penalties uh, at the level they have been. And then also, we were talking about what a great game Jalen Monroe played against Texas A&M, but still missed several intermediate throws and threw mm-hmm. a pick over the middle. Those are the types of things I'm talking about where you can get away with that when on the other side your defense is sacking Max Johnson every other play. But against some of these teams you're trying to beat, that's not going to be good enough. I just I think that they will get after uh, Arkansas pretty good though. Well, it should be another uh, really fun Saturday full of college football. But, David, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Have a great week. Thank thanks, you, David. David, and you have a great week and enjoy the weekend. A lot of pl- what, a lot of ways to enjoy Jason's Deli and a lot of places to do it, and one very close by you, wherever you are, I guarantee you, in our area, you're, you're very close to a Jason's Deli, like the one at Popper and Highland by the University of Memphis, and Olive Branch at Cordova, on Ridgeway Road, over across from U- MUS, all those r- great locations, always close by, whether you want to dine in, get it to go, or delivery, wholesome food forever, it's a family thing, at Jason's Deli, with a variety of delicious choices for every meal, breakfast, lunch, and supper. You can go to Jason's Deli right now and 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 get the the early dinner time. It, real early right now, but in about an hour you're going to be ready for that. All those great salads: the Mesa chicken salad, chicken club salad, chicken Caesar salad. My favorite, the taco salad. All healthy and and good. First franchise in the nation to be trans fat free, and it's all about choice with plenty of organic food to choose from. If you'd like to seek a gluten-free menu, they have it. Vegetarian sandwiches, they have it. Healthy kids' meals, everything. You can build your you can build your own. They invent your own uh, sandwich via the build your own. You will be delighted at Jason's Deli. All the choice and catering. 
The catering, anytime, anywhere, five to 5,000. They have you covered for your big event this week. This weekend might be, might be having something, uh, a booster club before a Friday night high school football game. You want to have something special for all the members of that? Let Jason's Deli do all the work for you. Catering anytime, anywhere, and complimentary free ice cream in all these locations, like Ridgeway Road, Poplar and Highland, Olive Branch, and Cordova. Check them out online as well at jasonsdeli.com. Let's go ahead and get to a break. When we come back, we'll take an early look at some of the lines in the NFL and college football for this weekend. That's next on Sports Time. Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Welcome back into Sports Time. Bryant and Brett with you in our Family Leisure Studios. And uh, middle of the week, and the weekend's going to be here before we know it, so we need to take a look at some of these college football lines for the weekend, uh, also some of the NFL lines as we're getting closer and closer. Uh, let's start with college football, um, and let's start with that Friday night game between the Tigers and Tulane. Right now, Tulane a four-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Which, I mean, everyone usually says, what, three, three and so, a half? Um, so, I mean, you're, you're saying if this game was played at Tulane, it'd be a seven and a half, eight point line? That's, that seems pretty steep. I, th- I think it's a little steep. I think it's very heavy. I, I like the Tigers to win the game, yeah. not just because that's what I prefer, but I really think they can. Now, it will take the best four quarters of the year. Absolutely. And the Tigers have not done that yet. And... And, and, you know, I, I love what Dave said. You cannot start off slow against Tulane. No. I, I, I do not think. No, you can't spot them anything. No, no. I mean, I. Th- okay, 7 nothing. Sure, you, whatever. I don't think you but can get up like Boise. 17 nothing Against Boise, it's one thing. In a conference game against Tulane, I think it's a completely different story. Now, I do agree with Dave. You know, there's a lot of game to be played after after you get in that hole. Um, and it's about how you finish. But, but, it, but it changes how you do things if it's too mm-hmm. big of a hole. It also changes the, I think, a big part of this game being how big of a game it is in a conference game. The environment, the, the fans are going to be a massive part. And I'll tell you, Brett, in that Boise State game, when it was 17 nothing. I saw a lot of checkout in in terms of the fans. We were sitting right behind the student section. Easy to do for any fan. Very easy, very easy. But you know, the students seemed a little checked out. Uh, I was looking around the stadium. It looked like a lot of people were kind of checked out at that point. Now, immediately after you know Jeffrey Cantonarku blocks that kick and, and returns it, everybody's back in, which is exactly what you need. You need that spark play of the block. year so far. For Absolutely, one hundred percent, no we, doubt about it. We could it. look back and it could end up standing all year as the play of the year. For what that created, I I want the Tigers a whole lot of Blake Watson early yes. and often. Yes. Now, and and that's another thing. I mean, Brett, you and, and I'm excited um, to ask uh, to talk to to Matty Hudak about it. But you have been saying ever since you saw Tulane against uh, against Ole Miss that offensive and defensive lines. I mean, there, there's some big physical it's boys the up there, and uh, and so you're really going to have to uh, you know offensive line um, Blake Watson. I mean, you're really going to have to get it going early if you're if you want to rely on that running game. It, it's such a solid team and. The best four quarters of the year for the Memphis Tigers Friday night will be in that one. Remember mm-hmm. yesterday when I said 
Georgia and Michigan sleepwalk to 9-0? and Yes. You know who else agrees with that? Vegas. Oh, absolutely. Georgia, 31-and-a-half point favorite wow. on the road against wow. Vandy, and Michigan, 33-and-a-half at home against Indiana. I'm not going to bet a dime on it, not a cent on it. I think Georgia and Michigan both win and cover. Oh, I thought you were going to say you think Vandy covers. No. Oh, my, my Arkansas, my, my keep it close, scare the daylights out of Bama. I don't know what Arkansas can stand the least. <laughs> uh, just get hammered and never be in the game or another heartbreak. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, but, I mean, you know, you talk about this team, and we've talked about a lot about – you know, one game has been one of those four losses. Now, four straight losses will do a lot to you, but one of those four losses was by more than a touchdown. All the rest of them were seven points or fewer. And it was just 12. It was just 12, and it was way closer than 12 points if you watch that game. So, you know, I, I do think, uh, you know, at this point, I think a lot of people are going to go against Arkansas just because you've seen four losses in a row. They're getting beat by everybody. The only two teams they've beaten were at the start of the season against, you know, FCS team and whatever. Um, but I, I do think I do think they should probably keep it close in this one. How do you think it would go over tomorrow when I do my 12-25 hit on jocks uh-huh. on Pat Smith and Landrum Roberts show, three-man front, uh-huh. and we get around to – Real good, real good name. Yeah. And we get around to, I ain't scared, upset of the oh, week. Oh, <laughs> if I picked Arkansas uh-uh, straight uh-uh, up, uh-uh. plus tw- but, but plus yeah, 20, uh-uh. but straight up to win in T-Town? No, I don't think that's a good idea, Brett, no. They may bomb the radio uh-huh, station. Yeah, I, I, no. can't, I can't have that responsibility. No, <laughs> no, no, no. But hey, you're, they're gonna, they better congratulate you. Last week you went in there and talking all that mess about uh, Louisville and won. Four and two for the year on I Ain't Scared in the Birmingham area, so I'll, I'll okay. take that. I'm not going to do that, but I'll, I, I'm, I can tell you now, Friday afternoon at 530 on our first National Bank and Trust Friday football forecast picks, I'm going to take Arkansas plus the 20. That's yeah, smart. I mean, I, I probably will as well. I mean, 20 points in any SEC conference game. I understand it's we sure mighty Bama. We sure score 20. <laughs> no, now you're now you're playing the Iowa game. Uh-huh. Oh, it's a 24 point spread. Can Iowa even score 24 points? I, I don't mean this as disrespectfully as it's going to sound, but if I'm Arkansas, I copy and paste the DJ Durkin game plan mm-hmm. and see if Jalen Milrow can beat me two weeks in yeah. a row. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's that's the way to go. Because and if he can, okay, so be it. Congratulations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're a better man. Your your team wins. Shake his hand. And leave the mm-hmm. field. Yeah, and and I think that's how you that's how you have to do it because I mean, I think there was I mean there weren't even a lot there was a lot of questions going into the season about Milrow and then you know a couple of you know struggled in that week two game and and the you know more and more question marks. So I think you just got to make him prove it. And, and and Burton had the good game last week. Mm-hmm. That's really his only good game at Bama. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Other college lines, FSU, 17-and-a-half at home against Syracuse. Wow. Tennessee, three-and-a-half at home against Texas A&M. We sure will pick that Friday afternoon. Louisville coming off that game. Look out, Trap City here. Mm-hmm. At Pitt, at Acrisure, seven-and-a-half point road favorite Whew. over one-and-four Pitt. Pitt's not that big a deal, but Mm-mm. Louisville sure could have left their heart in the upset over Notre Dame. Absolutely. Well, I, certainly, but uh, who does Louisville have? Do they have? Who do they have next week? Do we know? Let's see. Louisville. I'm looking Louisville. myself. They have Duke. Oh, classic Louisville. Oh, yeah. man. Keep your eye on that one. Yeah, keep your eye on that one for not, sure. Not calling the upset, but 21-17, uh-huh. you know, L. that they wouldn't get them there. 
Yeah, I mean, that screams uh, look ahead. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's Trap City. But also, Saturday night, and you know, every every time it's in South Bend, it's an October game. Mm-hmm. And in Los Angeles, it's always Thanksgiving weekend. But Saturday night on NBC, Notre Dame, a three-point favorite over USC. And this this has to be the redemption game for for Sam Hartman, doesn't Gotta it? Gotta be. Gotta be. I mean, it, for, for Notre Dame in general, really. I mean, after after now two losses, um, I think they dominate against USC. I mean, I think maybe even take the over in this game. I mean, I think both offenses are going to be cooking. That's an indictment on USC. That's what Absolutely. you're doing. Yeah. Absolutely. Indictment, not, no, 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 no. I take that back. It's not an indictment on USC. It's an indictment on USC's defense. Um, because Caleb Fair Williams enough. is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but... I mean, what I saw last week, and and another thing, I, I it's I, fun to watch. It's, it's oh, their offense is great. I mean, their defense is not fun to watch. But, but they they cannot swing and miss on offense. No, they're, they're, no. If they watch, swing and miss on offense, they're down fourteen. Watch their their attempted punts. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, what what's, if they punt four times, they're buried. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, Brett, they were down what seventeen nothing. They were they were in a Memphis hole uh, last week against uh, Arizona, yeah. and so um, I guess Notre Dame can't do that. I've, I've also heard weather's gonna could be a factor in this game. Uh, Saturday night, so I mean, you know, Notre Dame has a surefire running back, and I, I just, you know, I'm not, I don't want to bet, I don't want to ever bet against USC's. Oh, absolutely, but I I never want to bet against USC's offense, but I'll, I'll sure bet against their defense. I wonder what Notre Dame partisans, who they would say the biggest rival is, is it USC? That's a good question. I, I, I really don't know. I, I don't. I, I wouldn't know definitively. They, they have a couple, mm-hmm. but I think USC would be at or near oh, the top. Certainly. The news today that starting next year, the Big Ten announced they're going to have at least nine Friday games next year. Mm. Hey, here, here we come. Yeah. No. I mean, it's we knew it was coming, and it's, it's and, here. And will the SEC do it? I know at a lot of SEC places, the big reason, except for like Thanksgiving weekend, anytime school is in session. These little bitty bitty SEC towns, it is such a disruption oh, yeah, to school. Mm-hmm. You know, where the head of the chemistry department parks Monday through Friday, well, we know who needs that place on game day. Big money donor. The, the yeah. head of the chemistry yeah, department you don't have park to, there. You don't have to worry about that 5.30 lecture class on a Thursday night when you're trying to get a football game oh, in on and a Robert Saturday. Oh, Robert Kite was yeah. at Ole Miss. He hated those Thursday night games and the disruption it would do to yeah. school. Yeah, I believe and it. That's why it exists. I, look, I, I've never thought about that before, but you're absolutely right. Maybe it's because I went to a university that did not have an on-campus football stadium, so it was never a problem, but... You're right. I mean, that is a a real issue when you have class and a lot of those night classes. Oh boy! Regular season to host on a Thursday, you would have to shut the town down or the campus down in and around most of these places. Most, not some, not but most at the latest two o'clock wow. Wednesday, and wow. and really not reopen till you know Monday morning. Monday, yeah. Well, you can't do that. No, I mean, that's an entire. That's basically an entire week of, of classes. And, and you know, I mean, for Friday, you know, noonish or two o'clock on Friday. Yeah. NFL coming up this weekend. T- tomorrow night gets it started, and we have all the action right here. Broncos in Kansas City. Kansas City ten and a half point favorite, and that and. That's anti Sean Payton and Russell yes, Wilson there. Isn't ab- it? Absolutely. Well, I mean, but it's also the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, yeah. that's that's pretty standard for them against anybody. But you're right. I mean, this Denver team is has pathetic. What other NFL lines grab you? 
Oh, um, you know, Jags Colts in that division game. Absolutely, absolutely. I think Ravens and and Titans. Ravens a four and a half point favorite uh, on the road uh, coming What's the to real Tennessee. Ravens? That's a good question. That's a really good question. This is a this is a game where I I shouldn't even say might I. I I think you would have to hold me against betting on the Titans in this one. At home, four and a half. We're questioning what's the real Ravens. You trust the Titans. I trust them at home. Okay, I trust them to cover. Oh, Brett, you know, trusting them to win a game and trusting them to cover. Oh, yeah, two, two completely different things. Well, you're right. You're right. You're right. We do. Um, I'll say this: the 49ers, I understand they're on on the road. But, you know, uh, a touchdown favorite against Cleveland, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of factors there. Being on the road is the big one, but that's interesting, you know. And maybe it's just I, I've, I'm have i scarred by the 49ers now, so I think they're going to go in and beat every team by 40. But can, can Zach Wilson do it two weeks in a row? Seven-point underdog mm. in Philly at the link. At home. Uh, Jets, probably Eagles. Not, no. No, probably not. Um, and, then, uh, and then that, uh, that uh, Sunday night game, uh, the Bills, a fork. 15-point favorite over the Giants. Now, part of that is, is Western Daniel New York Jones. supremacy. Woo! 14 points in a primetime game. You don't see that every day. No. In the <laughs> NFL. Exactly. The in the NFL. The whole supposed yes. to be pretty even. Yes. Uh, that's a, a great point by you. Honestly, Brett, looking at a lot of these lines. I mean, this isn't Moorhead State against Ohio State. Let, let me count. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six games this weekend in the NFL, seven point or more spread. It used to be unheard of yeah. to see a, a line that big. Oh yeah, yeah. And, maybe and, maybe oh, they're all over the place. Time. Yeah, all over the place this week. So uh, that, that might when you ask about the most interesting, that's probably the most interesting that we have that many games, seven points zip, or zip more. Zip in the baseball. Did you go uh-huh. over and under on the baseball game? Um, I actually just played a uh, Aaron Nola prop. Um. Uh. So, uh, recorded outs. I have fourteen and a half recorded outs. So that'd be four and two third innings. Well, you're I looking good. I'm looking really good right now. He's, now, fingers crossed. He's got he's, seven he, already. He's kind of cruising right now. Halfway so, uh, yeah. So we're we're feeling good about that one. But you're right. Zero zero. Been a fun start to the game. Uh, Braves had two on. Outs. I, uh, I got fired up about that game. Uh, the last one we were talking about it. So I got even more fired up. But let's go ahead and get to a break. And when we come back, it'll be time for big number of the day. Join the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin, for Wolo and Friends. Weekday mornings from 10 to 11, here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Big Daddy. Hello, Big Brand. It's a guy, he wants to be big, then he gets big, he doesn't want to be big anymore, then he gets small, but the suit's too big. Big Daddy. The Big Boy. You're a big guy. I think she's trying to pull a fast one on Big Daddy. The big number of the day. Brett, I think you jinxed my uh, my Aaron Noel pick. Oh, did I? Yeah, it's one nothing now with a man on first. I mean, hey, 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 still early, but well, we know I didn't how the, see all that happening. We know how Sorry. the postseason happens. Well, it was um, great explaining to Johnny Tiger bankroll coming it's up, coming, soon, wasn't it? It's coming. So I mean, good good luck, Johnny. It sure is. I, I don't know if you really. Uh, I don't know what you know what you've gotten yourself into. It's 
Got to get into action here, don't we? Got to. Got to. Uh, Brett, why don't you go first? Today? Okay. Mine is 91. 91. That was the number of consecutive series that the Orioles hadn't been swept in until wow. this series. Holy cow. That was when they called up Adley Rushman in the middle of May in 2022 and went 91 straight series without being swept. Wow. That is incredible. That's incredible. And then last night in the playoffs hit. That's baseball. That's baseball. You got it. That's baseball. Uh, I also have two baseball big numbers today. I'll start off uh, with not the Orioles, but the team that knocked them out last night. Uh, My big number, 200. The Rangers are the first team in MLB history to sweep two teams with a combined 200 regular season wins in a regular season. You mentioned that uh, number earlier today. You kind of scooped me on my big number today. Um, So, I mean, that's incredible. Public school. Hey, hey, yeah, that's right. Um, But my second big number is also a a really interesting big number. Uh, uh, Two, the Twins have lost their last nine postseason games when facing elimination dating back to 2002. That is the second two longest losing streak of its kind in MLB history, only behind Cleveland's, which currently sits at 11 games. So something to uh, to keep in mind as we have an elimination game coming up here um, in, in a couple of hours between the Twins and the Astros. Maybe you want to put your money on the Astros today. If it's if it is Texas versus Houston, mm-hmm. who would you be for? Texas, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I hate the Astros. I, I would be for Texas for the, this reason more than anything else. They've never won it. Uh, yeah. And I, at this time of year, I'm almost always for, a fir- if, unless it's Cardinals ran it, a first-timer or a long-timer. If it's Arizona-Atlanta, who will you be for? Ooh, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make some of my friends mad. I am too. Um, I'm gonna be for Arizona. I'm gonna be for Arizona. That's not as well. gonna be throwing stuff at the TV passion no, for them. No. But they haven't won it since they're one and only World Series mm-hmm. in 2001, and the Braves just got it a few years ago. But we would have good options. Whoa, absolutely. I mean, and I'm not counting the Phillies out either. Yeah, yeah. It, it's always funny to me. You know, we talk about uh, really in every sport, but you know, baseball we talk about it a lot because you know both of us are, are really love baseball. But you know, you talk about the teams that that you know New York and and L A. You know, the TV markets one. You think the Dodgers and the Yankees, the Mets. You, I, you could throw the Cardinals in there as well, which we would love to see the Cardinals in. But you know, I would love to see the D backs and, and the Braves again, and and Texas and the Astros, or even the Twins. You know, I would love to see these teams in there. You know, I think all of these teams are really, Twins really good won teams. Ninety one. Yeah. So I mean, it would be it would be really fun to see all of these uh, uh, Braves now have two men on and, and down one nothing. Yeah. Uh, Brett, Meeting this, on this, the mound. This for is getting rough. Phillies. The Phillies pinstripes look good. I know the most famous pinstripes are those Yankee pinstripes, Uh but I don't think you can mess up pinstripes for anyone. It's hard. Even the Rockies pinstripes look good. Mm, yeah, Cubs pinstripes look great. Oh, absolutely! I mean, iconic. I mean, they are. I, we can say all all the bad things you want about the you Cubs. Can, can't say anything about the uniforms. Have the They're Padres iconic. ever worked pinstripes? I think they have. I can tell you. You can give me a second. Historically, Padres. Cardinals never have. They, they, that's never been their look. Oh well, their their uh, their gray one is uh, pinstripe. The Padres grays, yeah, mm-hmm. those are pinstripes. But pinstripe white, it does look like they have. They have done the pinstripe white, pinstripe white before. Um, First to Atlanta, 
the Braves had uh, pinstripes. Really? And, and, and I think occasionally work them out. Today, the Braves are in their, their batting practice jerseys. Hey, y'all got the, the wrong jerseys. <laughs> well, I was about to say when we were talking about Chicago, you know, you can talk about, you can't talk bad about their jerseys, except for those darn Wrigleyville jerseys. I mean, no, you can no, just, no. just throw those in the trash. Those are awful. Southsiders pinstripes look good. Oh, really, really nice. Really nice. E- either the, 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 the blackish blue or the uh-huh. old school red the yeah. 70s red no you're absolutely right they, they've got some good ones but uh no this is this is has been a good game i obviously have vetted interest in uh in aaron nola um working long and going into uh uh the fifth inning but Marcelo uh, just laid off a nasty pitch do you have it up in your room? I've got it on my phone right here, but we're a little bit behind you. So, so I think, well, you're, you're getting ready to see oh, it. Oh man, that oh, most of the rest of the baseball wow. world swings at that. Yeah, you no, got to come was, back with that pitch, don't you? Yeah, you got to. You got to. Um, but we've got Astros Twins at six. Like I said, Twins have not been good in elimination games at all. Second longest streak in baseball. Dodgers D backs closeout series. Lance Lynn. Um, going for the Dodgers. I know Lance Lynn has been a lot better since joining the Dodgers. I just, I have not, I just don't know if I can trust him in an elimination playoff game at this point in his career. At one point, sure, 100%. Yeah, I don't know if this is his best spot But right now, anymore. yeah, I don't, I don't Innings know. eater, he was sure, good absolutely. for the Dodgers down the stretch, but not great, and was not great early in the year for the White Sox. I don't know if this is his... His his spot. They came back with the same pitch, and he laid off of it again. Really? Did they call it a strike? Or? He didn't the third time though. Oh, Swing and a miss. You're out of the inning. Oh heck yeah! Let's go, Aaron Nola. That's what I'm talking about. That's what we like to see. Uh, but no, they, it's going to be some some fun games tonight. Really, another. I mean, Brett. I mean, we're really at the at the point. I know we'll talk about it later in crunch time, but I mean, we've made it to the time of the year where. Everything is going on. I mean, pick a pick a sport you want to watch. What we have, and I was texting last night with a friend of mine in Houston that's a big Astros fan. He was talking about how much fun it is of there course, yeah. in this time of year. He's a big college football fan. And he said October's the best. And I texted back to him. I said, you'll most say March. Uh-huh. And, I, and, I, and I, I like March. I love March. But that's just one sport in March. Yo, it's yeah. really good. Oh, it's, it's really, it's, really it's good. It's great. And the, that first Thursday and Friday mm-hmm. is almost impossible to match for the stakes that involved in those two days. But this has got it all. And, you know, we're talking Tiger basketball and Grizzlies and NBA, and mm-hmm. we got it all. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's it's a ton of fun. It's only going to get better uh, as we get to the World Series and then actual basketball underway. It's, if it's the World a really Series goes seven, it ends on Saturday, November 4th. Really? So right up to college basketball. Two days shot. That's incredible. Oh, that's incredible. Somebody's got a chance to be Mr. November. Move aside, Reggie Jackson. <laughs> That'd be great. That would be unbelievable. But uh, that'll do it for our second hour. Let's go ahead and get to a break. And when we come back, we'll head down to New Orleans and talk to Maddie Hudak, the Tulane sideline reporter. That's next on Sports Time. Sports Time. 